0: Welcome to it. Good day, Bruce. How are you? Healthy
1: and alive. As usual. Uh, yourself?
0: I'm doing better. Uh, yesterday was not. Uh, yesterday was not a very nice day. I had a little bit of a. Well, first we had a technical problem, and it took us a while to get that sorted out, and then. Uh, I had, once we figured out the technical problem, I then clued Bruce into the fact that I had a physical problem. <laughs> it was nothing serious. Uh, I'm a lot better today. I I like to work out. You know, I'm, I'm real big into like fitness and, I, you know, because th- right now being healthy, I mean, that's yeah, that's the number one concern of everybody. So, uh, you know, I do my best to try and, and keep in shape. And I did just a little bit too much in the area of shoulder workouts yesterday. And I pulled my sh- my left shoulder and it was not fun. Uh, last night was a very, very bad night for me. Uh, but I'm doing a lot better today. I worked it out. Uh, I've, I've been uh, doing yoga most of the afternoon today. So... Uh, it's, it's kind of, uh, seemingly worked itself out though. It is still a little tender, so it just needs some rest and, uh, and some, some TLC over the next uh, few days. I'll probably run it through the weekend and then first part of the week, I'll get back to it. But anyway, that's why we were not here yesterday. However, you got a fantastic rebroadcast. You got the real target that we did on ecoscience. That was a good one. Yeah, that was a good one. So, uh, since you ask, I'm doing better today, much better than I was yesterday. Yesterday I was in a bad way, but, um, anyway, Bruce, you always say government's bad. You always say that. Yes. I'm starting Mm -hmm. to understand today just a little bit more. I mean, not that I didn't know already, but I'm starting to understand a little bit more today as to why you say that. And I remember that it was well over 10 years ago, I went to my bank, my personal bank in the US, and I tried to withdraw $1,000 in cash from an ATM. And the reason was I wanted to go buy one of the first generation iPads for those that remember or who were around during that time who were fascinated by those things, because I used to be one of those early adopter types. Uh, and I still have that iPad. It's, it's right over there on the shelf. But uh, nonetheless, for the top of the line model they had, which was the 64 gigabyte 3G model with AT&T, it was $1,000. So I needed $1,000. And I wasn't going to put it on a credit card when I could just pay cash for it. So I just went to pick up the cash. I normally don't carry $1,000 in cash on me. And I don't normally have that at hand. Who does? So obviously, I just said, OK, I'll just go down to the bank the next day. And I'll pull it from my checking account. Well, I go down. I try to pull it from an ATM. Wouldn't let me do it. OK, don't know what the problem is. I don't have any kind of a, you know, anything outside of the normal limit, which is like 4000 a day or whatever you can withdraw. Okay. So whatever. I walk into the branch and I say, yeah, um, I tried to pull a thousand dollars out of my account from the ATM and it wouldn't let me do it. So I'll just pull it in here. So there's no confusion. You can see who I am and I can verify all my ID and everything and won't be any problem. So they take me over and they sit me into this cubicle. And so I go over and I sit into this little cubicle, you know, with a couple of chairs on the other side of the desk and somebody's office. Right. And so this lady comes in, she sits down and she says, um, hi, you know, how you doing? Can I get you something to drink and all that stuff? And I said, no, I'm fine. I, I don't have that much time. Uh, I'm just in here to withdraw money from my account. She says, yeah, about that. Um, how much are you going to be needing? And I said, just $1,000. So that's all I need. Okay. Uh, and this is a, you want this in a cashier's check or, or how, uh, how do you want it? I said, I just want it in cash. I said, I don't need any specific denominations or anything like that. I just need $1,000 in cash out of my own account. So she says, OK, yeah, I'll be right back. So she comes back with another person a couple of minutes later, and they're both sitting there across the desk from me. And they said, OK, uh, how much are you going to be needing? I said $1,000. I just need $1,000 from my own account. OK, um, do you need that in any specific denominations? or anything? No, no, I don't. I just need $1,000 in whatever you you have that's available that's not going to bother you with your other customers. OK. So they go over and they get one, the one person goes over and gets a thousand. Another one starts writing up some paperwork. And I said, is there a problem? And the lady says, no, there's no problem. Um, But uh, we're just curious, um, what are you going to be using this for? And I said, I I was actually in a hurry. I was, I was on a lunch break and, you know, those things were in very short supply the last time. So I I really didn't have time to sit there and argue. I said, not that it's any of your business. I said, but I'm going to buy an iPad. That's all it is. Oh, okay. I said, is there a reason you're asking? Well, we have to. Okay. So I didn't argue. I just I, I took my money and I, and I left and I went and I made my purchase. That was years ago. That was years ago. And it's something about the whole 9-11 Patriot Act thing or whatever. Banks actually. And you know what? I was actually I was wondering about halfway through that conversation, whether or not they were even going to release my own money in my own accounts there. I was actually wondering if they were even going to do it today. The Treasury Department, the Biden administration, are looking to submit plans this week to track financial transactions of personal bank accounts over $600. So if you're an individual in America who has a checking account, which I'd say most people do, if you spend $600 or more from now on under this new plan, your account will be audited by the federal government. Your transactions will be tracked. And traced under this new plan government's bad okay now how
1: are you gonna do that level of uh, tracking and tracing might I ask because if you go and do as you did and go and get the cash well you can't track that transaction you just know that they withdrew six hundred dollars or in your case a thousand but then wh- where the money goes from there you can't really track it because it's cash so to do a full and complete track of that six hundred dollars, uh, you have to make it digital, we, we, you know, do as do as the um, Treasury secretary was uh, uh, recommending and uh, make our own cryptocurrency,
0: make our own state regulated and ran uh, cryptocurrency. Well, you have to make sure it's just to keep honest people honest, right? I mean, that's what it's all about. It's just keeping honest people honest. That's all they're doing.
1: Yeah, this is, this is, uh, this is how we'll make sure that uh, we'll make it convenient for you and make it easy for you to pay things like taxes and your bills and to ensure that if the rich, you know, anybody that makes over $400,000, we make sure that they pay their fair share. So if you make over $400,000, we ensure that you can't get out of paying your taxes um, and we know exactly where your money is going.
0: And it's funny you say that because the document is unequivocal about the administration's goal for financial reporting, stating that this proposal would create a comprehensive financial account information reporting regime. You're going to have to hire a whole bunch of new people at the IRS to track all this stuff. And you're going to have to hire a whole bunch more people at Treasury to track this stuff. $600. Do you know how many times $600 a day gets transacted through people's personal accounts in the U.S.? You couldn't count them all. You'd have to hire an army of people to count this what if
1: just just out of curiosity we're seeing this um the rhetoric that's coming out of out of these uh davos type they're basically saying that we have to get away from consumer sales so in other words we're going to have to change your lifestyle a bit and you're going to no longer focus on what you want and now you're going to focus on what you need and as such Uh, You know, so there'd be wealth redistribution, you know, those kind of things. So So they'll track and make sure you don't spend anything over six hundred dollars because in a daily transaction, a single transaction to get what you need, you're not ever going to spend more than six hundred dollars, according to the government.
0: That's true. And they're trying to with with Schwab's crackpot theory, they're going to move everyone away from consumerism and they're going to move everybody into exactly what you just said, what you need. This is why in the in the writings of Klaus Schwab, he says all products will be services. You will not own anything, nothing. You will own nothing and you will be happy about it with a smile on your face. Yeah, you'll be happy about that you'll rent everything. Absolutely everything. If you need a flashlight, you'll rent a flashlight. You see? You see this, Bruce? You need a flashlight, Mm -hmm. you'll rent a flashlight. You won't own a flashlight. I have a flashlight in my hand. I own this. I bought this. Now, see, you you won't own this in the future. You'll rent this if you need one. And if you don't need it, well, then you'll send it back. A great example of um,
1: (laughs) it renting and those kind of things. Um, For those that are in the uh, corporate world and happen to use some of the uh, the, the, Microsoft products, Adobe products, um, those are those are two big examples in the corporate world. Um, What did Microsoft uh, here? I don't know. Was it Windows 7? I think about that time when they stopped doing this. You could you could get like Outlook Express. You could get like your XMLs and all the all the uh, software you needed, the, the office suite. You could get that separate one time purchase or it came with the computer. Some of the some of it came with the computer, depending on what version you had. Now you can no longer own those things uh, with Adobe is Photoshop. You know that, that that's one that's well known. Um, you could have a one time purchase. No, you don't do that anymore. You rent it from the company. You pay them a, a monthly or yearly due to 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 use their product. It's no longer a one time purchase. And we're, we're seeing this with a lot more products and they're trying to push that you're renting it. You're, you're not buying it anymore.
0: The gaming industry is even going that way too. Well, Microsoft, you know, they started that years ago with uh, their Xbox services. You'll pay for that. Mm -hmm. You don't own that. You buy the, uh, the consoles, you know, the gaming console or a PlayStation or whatever. It's a perfect example of that stuff. You buy that product from that company. But since we're talking about Microsoft, they have their, uh, their Xbox, you buy that thing, but it's, pretty much useless unless you pay for the service for it. It's useless. It's like a, um, it's like a smartphone. What are you going to do with a smartphone that doesn't have any internet service on it? It's useless. It's as useless as the uh, the old PDAs from back in the 90s and early 2000s. They're completely useless unless you have an online Internet connection for them. It's basically it's a it's a personal organizer. That's all it is. And before that, we had the physical personal organizers, you know, the uh, the planners or whatever you could you could buy, you know, at the office supply store, or whatever it is. Hell, you don't need those anymore because they don't have any offices anymore. They're going to get rid of those too. all those people that said, oh, we're just going to send everybody home until we can get this covid stuff figured out. You're not going back to the offices, are you? So is this just going to be on personal accounts? No, no, of course not. It can't stop there, can it? This requirement would apply. This is from the document. This requirement would apply to all businesses, all personal accounts from financial institutions. The proposal reads, including bank, loan, and investment accounts, with the exception of accounts below a low de minimis gross uh, flow threshold of $600 or fair market value of $600. Do you have any idea how many times businesses, small businesses per day spend over $600? A lot. A lot. A lot. Some of their purchase orders just to put them together cost $600. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Especially if you're like a grocery store or, you know, and you're restocking your inventory, you're going to pay more than $600. So, yeah, it, it's the other the other the other concern we have with all of this is um, as prices start increasing with inflation and whatnot,
0: what's going to happen there? Like, this is just y- a way y- for them to it's like what, this is like think of this like a lockdown for your own personal finances. OK, so we lock down the economy. To, quote, control COVID? No. COVID's just the medium. It gives them an excuse to do it. The lockdowns are about the banks closing down the economies so they can channel the money so there's no inflation. They're trying desperately to stop that inflation, but they can't do it. It, It's like they're holding a beach ball underwater. You can only do that for so long. What happens? You let go of it, it's going to shoot up out of the water. That's what's happening now. The inflation, that ugly facade is being pulled back ever so slowly. And the Chinese incident. The Chinese economical problem is now starting to bear fruit. Oh, yeah. All the ghost cities. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. But anyway, I want to stay with this. Don't let me forget. We'll move right on to the China thing. This is now going to lock down your spending. They're going to limit your spending. So not only are they going to shut down your business, they're also going to shut down the way you spend money. And don't you think for one minute they're not going to tie this to your COVID passports, the newly introduced COVID passports that are coming to you in America? They're starting in New York this week. Also, this will mark the end, the official end of what we would consider to be any kind of financial privacy. That's over. That party's over. You will have no more financial privacy with this. None. Zero. Less than zero, actually. Because if one of these, whatever, these, uh, this army of people that, They hire to create this entire infrastructure because that's what it'll be because they don't have it. This entire infrastructure they're going to have to create along with the COVID passport. They're bringing all this in all at once. I thought they would just kind of do this in increments over the course of several years. No, they're just going for broke. They are going for broke with all of this. This is quadrupling down, quintupling down. With this, if someone makes a decision to audit your purchase of, I don't know, $610, then they're going to go subterranean on you and they're going to start digging into all of your finances, all of them. That will give them an excuse to tear you apart financially. That's all it is. It's more government intrusion into your personal finances and into your life. You got anything else to say on that before we jump over to to China? Well, other than the fact that, as you said, it's a complete invasion of your privacy.
1: I mean, no longer do you have... When is that going to stop? Are they going to stop with just your finances or is it going to be anything you do? Because uh, take note, social credit requires that the government track everything you do. Uh, Transactional is just the beginning. They'll do that and go, well, uh, you're unvaccinated and you made over $600 in your, uh, you know, you made over a $600 purchase. Yeah, you shouldn't be out in public right now because you're unvaccinated. So we're going to cancel that purchase and uh, you're you're not going to be allowed to do that. And we'll send someone in to escort you back home or ensure that you stay home. Or we'll have someone come in, as Australia is doing, and have you visit one of our
0: re-education camps. Oh, excuse me, uh, uh, vaccinations, uh, um, just quarantine sites. Yeah, quarantine sites Mm -hmm. away from hospitals, by the way. right Conveniently right next to airports. Right next to airports, miles and miles and miles away from any kind of medical facilities. But it's for your health. I'm not going to get into this right now. We'll get into this shortly. Bruce, this is the breaking headline from CNN. Hmm. Headline reads, she was vaccinated, but was infected by others who chose not to be. The cost was her life. You couldn't make it up. You could not make it up.
1: Yeah, so... I thought you were supposed to be protected if you were vaccinated. I, oh, no, I see, thought that, you no, were supposed no, to be no. good. You're
0: you're thinking of that old, mm. outdated version of a vaccination. Mm. That's not what mm-hmm. this is. No, the, see, they changed all that last. You know, two two weeks ago, they changed it. Vaccines no longer protect you and no longer give you immunity. Vaccines now provide moderate uh, protection against uh, something, but it's something that needs to have a regular upkeep on it. That's that's what it needs, according to the CDC's website. Anyway, uh-huh. uh, China is having their, and this is not talked about in the media, China is having their Lehman Brothers moment right now. One of their investment firms that sells and deals in like properties, just like Lehman, the Ever uh, Grand, is what it's called, I believe. This today has sent uh, Hong Kong stock index spiraling down. They lost 12% the other day, 12%. The company lost 12% in value just the other day. To give you an idea, they have $300 billion in debt. One investment firm has $300 billion in debt. That is not going to make it. When you are one investment firm and you have $300 billion in debt, you're not coming through that one. It's not gonna happen. The Lipo Select Hong Kong and Mainland Property Index dropped 4.9% today. Today, just from this one, today. Closing at its lowest level in four years, and a whopping fall of 23% already in 2021. Beijing has said that they will not step in to bail the company out. They're going to let it go, it sounds like, at least at the moment. China's Evergrande Group admitted Tuesday that it is under tremendous pressure, and it may not be able to meet crippling debt obligations, and 1.5 million people have put deposits on new homes with them that are yet to be built. Just like what they did with Lehman Brothers, just like what we did with the, uh, the real estate bubble, in 2007, 2008, and the whole thing came to a, to a, a, an end. In the meantime, China's running around building ghost cities. Massive, massive ghost cities with no one in them. 20, 30, 40-story apartment buildings and apartment complexes. No one lives there. And they're sending paint crews around 9, 10 times a year to paint the buildings that no one lives in. Bruce, will you explain what a ghost city is and why they're building them?
1: Basically, it's a Ponzi scheme. Um, so they build a big city. It's to alleviate financial tensions that they have, uh, quote unquote, you know, it keeps businesses afloat by using government funds uh, that they just print and they go and build a city and it, oh, China's expanding, it's growing, it's it's technologically, but nobody moves into them. They promise people that they'll be able to move into them and nobody moves in. And the the city's built to house like millions of people, but nobody moves in. Nobody can move in and they just
0: upkeep it. This is why you, you see these massive, massive highways going into these major cities in China. They'll have nine, 10 lane highways on one side. And when you ask, when you ask the local officials there, why do you have so many lanes of roads that are brand new that you don't have any traffic on? And they say, well, uh, this is for when people finally decide to move here, then the infrastructure will already be there. But anyway, so China is having their moments and they shut down their economy in order to with covid, they shut down their economy. Does everybody remember that in the initial stages? They shut down for a month and a half hard. They shut down. Nothing was moving. Everything over there was to a grinding halt. All of it. Then we shut down. They reopened. They had a seven and a half percent gain. We took upwards of 12 percent losses here in the West economically over the last 12 months. But that hard shutdown that China took broke their supply chain, their logistical supply line. It really hit them hard. And I don't think there's a way for them to recover from it. This is now a result of that.
1: I would say the same thing about the U.S., though we've we've damaged our economy so much it's going to take a long no time for it to recover
0: no argument same thing with the europeans they have really broken the backs of their economies for no reason no reason other than the fact that the financial institutions that have caused this are the ones that are responsible for it they don't want to go down they were all supposed to go down in 08 we should not be here we shouldn't be here but because it was too big to fail we had to save it are we going to save it again I mean, government just prints money, right? Uh, that, that's they're not even printing the, now. Uh, now they're just digitizing well, everything.
1: You, right. Also, the uh, what was it? The the Federal Reserve out of what was it? Atlanta, the Atlanta branch, I think it was. Uh, I could have been saying 13, that. Uh, yeah, uh, they were saying that uh, they all stopped reporting. By the way, the the GDP, they they all stopped reporting that GDP um, and
0: inflation. They're not counting yeah, inflation, anymore.
1: yeah, except for Atlanta. Atlanta said we're at 40 percent of a drop of GDP and inflation is up. Yeah. Yeah. But um, the thing is, is I've heard economists talk about that and it's a prediction. It's not actually a um, like it's not an actual statistic. It's just them kind of guesstimating. And he says nobody really pays attention to
0: that. And I'm oh, kind of like the Wall Street boys do like they uh, that doesn't. Yeah, they they make they they put their speculation on what the Fed makes the announcements on. I mean, that's what they do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it they were saying it was 40 percent. I, I Now, to be clear on this one, I don't 100 percent remember if it was 40 percent down on GDP or we were at a 40 percent inflation. I don't remember which one it was exactly. How about both? either way? Not, just, neither go is good.
0: I'll go with both.
1: Yeah. I mean, either one is not good. Basically, if it's the inflation one, it would be the same thing as having a 40 percent drop in GDP. It's the same thing. Yeah. So whichever direction it went, it was 40 percent.
0: So Chinese state run media, the Global Times, they now say that uh, they are predicting a uh, another deadly attack on America, kind of like 9-11 esque. That, uh, that kind of stuff. I mean, that, that level. The editor-in-chief of the Chinese state-run media outlet, the Global Times, appeared to predict another deadly terrorist attack in the United States. Hu Jin, who heads the state-run newspaper, made the prediction in a tweet on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And I'm quoting the tweet, September 11th attacks was suicide attacks by 19 terrorists, but it was not the suicide attack of terrorism. Terrorism will accumulate power to launch the next deadly attack. Time will prove that it is a mistake for the U.S. to regard China as its biggest adversary. (laughs) Is that a threat? That does indeed sound like a threat to me. Well, according to General Milley, we share a lot of commonalities with the Chinese Communist Party. Oh, we're not, we're not enemies. It's it's just a simple economic transfer of, of power in the world. That's all it is,
1: isn't it? I would agree. We do have a lot of commonalities with the CCP. We have a corrupt government that is bound by the same True. Marxist ideal. We so have a lot of he, infiltrated
0: right. educational institutions as well that are yeah corrupted by Marxist ideology. No argument.
1: And the, the majority of the population doesn't like our uh, the government the way it, they don't trust the government. Uh, that's uh, I would I would guesstimate that's probably the same case uh, there in China. I'm sure the majority of the population does not trust the government. No, they don't. Um, yeah, so. Uh, Yeah, he's right. Uh, There, There is some commonalities there, but I don't think that's what he meant. In fact, listening to the speech that he gave on that, uh, where he was talking about this, um, he was using a lot of buzzwords and a lot of leftist terminologies to describe um, how we're so similar and why we should not treat them as an enemy. It sounds a lot like the Marxist rhetoric that we're hearing
0: regularly. I have the speech. Let's just play a little bit of it, shall we?
2: Uh, and that will take considerable length of time. So we call that a construct of four plus one, uh, which is Russia, China, Iran, North Korea, and a terrorist threat. Again, they're not all equal. And I wouldn't call uh, them all enemies, per se. China, for example, uh, I would he- hesitate to call China an enemy. Some would say adversary. Oh. Others would say enemy. Some would say hostile. I think they are what the slide implies. They're a competitor. Uh, uh-huh. And the competition between the United States and China has a military dimension to it. Uh, right. But that is a far cry. And that's a long leap between that and enemy. I've heard talk and I've read huh. many studies and books talking about the inevitability of war between the United States and China. I take exception to that. History is not deterministic. It's not inevitable. And it by no means uh, is uh, predictive. Uh, so you can't take from history and predict the future. Oh, uh, there's a lot of time between now and any time the United States and China would become, quote, unquote, an enemy you know, where armed conflict were to be pursued. Uh, there's a lot of of commonality, co- areas of common interest that uh, need to be worked out in that respect. Uh, but <laughs> that is a construct, though, that we are we use, uh, that I use uh, within the United States Army. A couple of other comments about current situation. Uh, first, is I think that in terms of econ- and I'm not an economist by a long shot, but. Um, Most of the studies I've read clearly indicate that we are in the midst of the largest economic shift in power in probably something like five centuries. Uh, with the shift from a North Atlantic-based global economy to a North Pacific-based global economy, which we began really with the reforms in China, starting around 1979 with Deng Xiaoping, and that has given rise over run of somewhere between 9 and 10% growth, and it's slowed down to 7%, which is still considerable uh, for a country as large as china yeah, uh, that has why. continued steadily for well over 30 years uh, and why. historically it takes about a century or so uh, for that shift to be complete so at uh-huh. least in my estimation we're probably in the first 3 to 4 decades of that massive shift in economic power which will fundamentally change uh, the nature of the international geopolitical environment
0: uh huh Uh, General, why don't you tell us why that economic shift is taking place? Why don't you tell us why not too long ago, the Chinese people, or excuse me, the Chinese government couldn't even keep the lights on, and now all of a sudden they're usurping everyone on the world stage tenfold. Why don't you tell us why they didn't have any access to rare earth minerals little more than two decades ago, and now all of a sudden they've got a monopoly on them. Why don't you tell us how they acquired the active pharma- all of the active pharmaceutical ingredients? Why don't you tell us how they did that? Now, see, this yeah. wasn't organic. This was not organic like the, uh, the astute general is sitting here saying. Uh, m- mind you, this man's a traitor, by the way. Don't sit there and think for one minute— that what he's saying is accurate at all. He's not explaining himself on any of this. None of it. He's right. He's not an economist and neither am I. But it doesn't take a rocket scientist or even an economist to figure out what's been done here. We've been purposely sold out by the people here in the West that have moved their investments to China because they can make a deal with the people that run the Chinese government that will stomp on people's rights and extort their own people for slave labor. Make no mistake, the people that are in big business, they want the cheap labor. All they care about is profit, profit, profit. They don't care about how they get to it. And that's not a bash at capitalism either. But the problem is, is we're not dealing with capitalism any longer. We're dealing with crony capitalism. Sorry, go ahead. So uh, as a
1: listener, why don't you go back and listen to the uh, the first bit of his speech there where you're saying that um, we're not adversaries, we're competitors. And not only are we competitors, but there is a military aspect to that. If you're a competitor and there is a risk of not only physical uh, conflict, but also ballistic conflict, as in uh, nuclear missiles, doesn't that... Make you enemies does that not make you a physical threat to one another it's not just economies uh, both of us have been really throwing our weight around and threatening each other we've been doing it for a long time since China's had nukes they 've been trying to saber rattle and we do the same right back yeah that that's not just competitors they're uh, going out and threatening us now recently saying uh, there's going to be another terrorist attack uh, interesting that China, you're working with uh, the Taliban, you know, you, you two are working together. It's kind of interesting that you're you're threatening us now with another terrorist attack like 9-11. But this is the guy that called China, the head of the PLA, and said, uh, if there's going to be any kind of nuclear warfare that happens, you know, if we send nukes your way, I'll let you know beforehand. Uh, in other words, let's just say, Let's say he was legitimately concerned, okay? Let's say he bought the Trump hysteria and he was legitimately concerned that Trump was nuts and was going to do something like that. There was no sign that he was going to do that anyway. There was no, he he was the first president in a long time that has pulled us out of wars and conflicts and has not started one. But all that aside, with that in mind, if Trump is is trying to um work out any kind of trade deals or any of those kind of things, um you want your adversary to be a little bit sketched out going, this guy might be crazy enough to do something stupid. You want them to be just on edge. You want them to just kind of be scared of the guy. Just, you know, just have that in the back of their mind. So when he's doing a deal, uh, whether it's a trade deal or what have you, um, that's kind of in the back of their mind, seated there. Now, when you have the State Department come in or the Pentagon come in and say, oh, no, no, China, It's OK. It's OK you're not going to have any nukes. We're going to tell you if there's any, if the president launches any nuke. And not only are we going to tell you that there's going to be nukes, if there is any that's going to come, I won't allow that to happen. I won't allow the order to be given. Um, That is the very definition of treason.
0: Let's look back to 2015. I just happened to have audio of this. General Milley, again, on China and how they are not our adversary. This is during a national security summit in 2015.
3: As as you alluded to in the previous question, uh, China's not an enemy. Uh, And I think that's important for people to clearly understand. Uh, China is a rising power. Uh, China has been a rising power t- since uh, Deng Xiaoping in '79, and they've been clicking off at 10% growth for you know, almost 30 years. And they dropped down about 7% last year or two, and they'll probably drop again, you know, and, and come into the range of normalcy and three to five percent growth. But that's still significant economic growth. And there's been a wow. really large historic change from a North Atlantic-based global economy to now it's proceeding to be a North Pacific. Based global economy. Uh So uh, with respect to China, um, what normally happens historically, it's not in all cases, but in most cases, where you have economic growth of that magnitude typically follows military power. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a a significant increase in in, uh, Chinese military uh, capabilities over the last uh, 10 to 20 years. Uh, And uh, they are going to develop themselves and are developing themselves. Uh, into a great power that is not to say however that they are an enemy
0: you know the first part of so, that speech right there it's almost like he's had to memorize that and he's been coached from somewhere it's almost it does, like that's but, a talking point almost well yeah, just uh
1: think back for a second about 30 years ago who was president what kind of deals did they do with china
0: uh, gee wise? gee let me see um did it involve a cigar it did
1: actually. Yes. Um, and a saxophone. Same, same guy. Yeah. For those that didn't catch our memeing their jokes, that's uh, Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton. Um, those dealings that they did is what triggered China being able to have that 10% growth and all that kind of stuff. Now, just as a side note, as a side, why is our general, someone that I expect to be focusing on military practices military maneuvers some i expect him to be well versed in everything military so when he, when it's called when he's called on to go to war when when he, i want him to be able to lead our troops efficiently and effectively and know all the the warfare technologies techniques procedures all of that that we have today and what our enemies is going to use not economic practices of another country that is not where
0: you should be focusing he's not just any general, though, he's the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, meaning he's over all of the other generals that are there. Yeah, that's what makes it even worse. But when you're at that level, when you're at that level, you're a politician when you're at that level, albeit an unelected. You can tell by the way he talks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, they're all like that. You know, he's well, maybe not necessarily in in that regard that he's sitting there saying China's not an enemy. Uh, What planet are you living on, General? What planet are you living on? Apparently, we're looking at two different sets of, uh, of research here. We're not on the same page with that one, sir. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Are you sig- that
1: signals to our allies that China is not an enemy? That's signaling to them that we're on the side of China. And if, for example, they nuke you, Japan, I'm sorry, we're not
0: going to do anything in retaliation because they're not our enemy or Australia, for example. Joe Biden decided he was going to make an announcement yesterday, actually. There's a new alliance that's formed, and this is usually what you see during this point in time in history. I don't care what the general says there about, uh, well, you can't use uh, history as a way to predict the future. Sir, I I don't know, again, where you're coming up with this stuff. I, I really don't, because every single time that I talk to a historian, they say, do you want to know where we're headed? Look to the past. Because history repeats itself. History rhymes. Those who do not understand the mistakes of history are doomed to repeat it. Do you not even understand that? We're repeating the same thing that happened in Nazi Germany right now with this COVID BS. The same exact thing. We're headed down that same road. COVID passports, you could substitute that with a yellow star, it's the exact same thing. So Biden announces a uh, uh, what is this? Uh, Some some alliance with uh, the UK and Australia. Well, that looks really good to our European uh, allies, doesn't it? Uh, that looks great yeah the uh, the french are saying that this is a stab in the back you damn right it is let's look at this fact the united states government the united kingdom government and certainly the australian government are all in the pocket for beijing every last one of them my guess is that and let's not let's not forget new zealand right new zealand is also in the pocket of beijing just by their actions alone New Zealand, that whatever she is, that drug addict, she comes out and she says that and that's that's what she is. She comes out and she says, uh, well, the Australians, if you're going to be given access to uh, U.S. nuclear submarines, you're going to be given U.S. nuclear submarines because they had a 90 billion dollar deal with the French. Well, they shut that one down. French have good submarines. Why wouldn't you want that deal? I mean, we we do, too. But if you've already got a deal with the French, why not? Yeah, they did this deal five years ago, back
1: in 2016.
0: Yeah. Yeah, The New Zealand PM comes out, Arden or whatever her name is, uh, Jacinda Ardern or whatever. She comes out and she says, "Uh, the Australian submarines will no longer be allowed in New Zealand waters. Well, okay, I'm sure they're not going to argue over that. What is this? This sounds like some some uh, kiddie uh, hand slapping thing that's going on that's been cooked up by the Politburo in Beijing. That's what this sounds like to me. To me, that's what it sounds like, because you've got all three of these governments that are in pocket with the New Zealand PM coming out, who's also in the pocket of Beijing, comes out and says, oh, yeah, um, you're not allowed over here. Like there's some kind of a feud that's going on. I think this is Beijing's attempt to drive a wedge in between the United States, the UK, Australia and Europe. That's what it's designed to do. See, they can't have anybody geopolitically mounting a resistance against them. China's on the verge of economic collapse. They want Taiwan. They can't have Taiwan. You've got the Australians, the United States and the Japanese that already have a treaty until 2050 to protect the island of Taiwan. It's already there. We already have the treaty. You don't need to make some new alliance with three criminal governments that need to be arrested. It's being done on purpose.
1: That's an interesting year, by the way.
0: It is. 2050 was
1: the original 2030.
0: 2050 was also the year that the CCP was then allowed to go in to integrate Hong Kong. They weren't supposed to go in there until 2050. They broke the deal. The agreement was yeah. the British would give it back, but the Chinese Communist Party would not go in and and, uh, and integrate it until 2050. That was the deal. At the same time, we had already signed the treaty that was classified. Trump declassified it on his way out the door. It was classified at the time we signed the treaty between the United States, Japan and Australia to protect the island of Taiwan. That is Silicon Valley West. You like your refrigerators? You like your cars? You like your F-150s? You like your pickup trucks? You like your televisions? You like your smartphones? Your smart watches and every other garbage piece of technology you use that we've become lazy on? You like your vacuum cleaners that sweep the house for you? You like your ovens, your microwaves? Where do you think all of those chips come from? They all come from Taiwan. This is a way, in my humble opinion, to drive a wedge between Europe and the other Western peripherals, excluding, of course, the UK. That's still, in my opinion, is still part of the core of Western civilization. But it, it makes it makes absolutely no sense for them to do this unless unless you're a European elite, so-called elite. If you're a European elite that is in business with the Chinese Communist Party and you're looking to do what you've been trying to do over the last 10 years, you're trying to stand up a European army. Again, they're making calls for it today. They're making calls for it. Oh, we have to... Leyen's out today in her whatever state of the whatever speech she gave. She says that Europe must build the political will for an EU army. Lady, people are trying to get out of this monstrosity that you idiots have created, that you have destroyed Europe with. They're doubling down. They're quadrupling... They're, they're tripling down. They're quadrupling down. You want to stand up an EU army? Why? Why? You've got NATO. Oh, we'll see if the United States and the UK, who have Brexit, they're not very well liked on the mainland, and the Australians... Well, see, if they all go off and they all do their own thing, well, then you don't have NATO anymore, do you? Oh, now you need to stand up an EU army. See, it works both ways. It plays in everybody's favor. But at the same time, to us, the little people, the nobodies, it makes us look like, oh, yeah, all right, we've got a new alliance. We're going after, we're confronting China. No, you're not. No, you're not. Again, that's just my opinion. I could be wrong. And if I am, I'll be the first to admit it. But the whole thing about this whatever it is that they've cooked up. Biden couldn't even remember the the Prime Minister of Australia, Scott Morrison, didn't even know his name. He's standing up there and he says, All right, Boris, thank you very much. And yeah, uh you, um yeah, the fellow there down under, what kind of a moron is this? Bruce is over there laughing. What kind of a moron is this?
1: Uh it it's the most voted for president in American
0: right. history. That's what right. it is. Right. Yes, most voted for president in American history. Uh, Do I have that video of him saying that? I don't think I do. Yeah, here it is. Right. So, you know what? I've got it here. Here it is. Listen to this. Thank you. Over to you, Mr. President. Thank you, Boris. And
2: and I want to thank uh, that fellow down under. Thank you very much, pal. Why don't you tell us his name, Mr. Prime Minister? Uh, What what an
0: absolute
1: moron. I, I appreciate you, Prime Minister. You can't even remember his name. Mm hmm.
0: I'm sorry. This is uh, th- this is all political theater to me. This is all theater. This looks like something again. This looks like propaganda. All of it. Am I wrong? I- am I seeing this wrong? Because, like I said, all three of these governments are compromised. All three of them. The fourth one, if you include New Zealand, saying all oh, the Australian submarines, if they're going to come from the United States, they can't be in the, in New Zealanders' water. Okay, what? They they can't. Oh, uh, <laughs> what do you have five miles off the coast of the? I mean, what? It- it's a joke. It's an absolute joke.
1: Are the um. Are oh, the Australians planning to have a, a another Afghanistan and just whoopsie a few of those nuclear submarines to the Chinese so they can reverse engineer it and make their you own. Know,
0: that's kind of what I'm thinking here is that China doesn't have any nuclear submarines. They don't. Now, the Bidens sold our stealth technology for our submarines to the communist Chinese. That is high treason. And he did that before he was in office. You could have arrested his entire criminal family just on that alone before he took office. Dual
1: purpose uh, stealth tech. That was another one that they sold to the Chi-Coms and
0: nothing was done about it. If you turn over American submarines to the China... Excuse, well, that's pretty much what they're doing. If you turn over American nuclear ballistic submarines to the Australians, where in the hell do you think they're going to end up? So you can't just... If you're a criminal government, if you're an illegal, illegitimate government, you can't just give the Chinese Communist Party, nuclear submarines, can you? You can't just give them. Too obvious. Paper trail. But if there were some type of a of a conflict and they just, well, they happen to lose one or two, uh, you know. Yeah, like that stealth drone that we lost to Iran. Yeah, that the one that just kind of landed a three on their point, airfield. Three-point landing yeah. right there on the, yeah, the, well, they brought it down with the EMP yeah. is, is what happened. Right, right.
1: Yeah, yeah. hmm mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure something like that'll yeah, that will probably happen to one of those that's exactly submarines. Yeah.
0: yeah, well, it's, I mean, you know, if,
1: we, if we have to stick, if we have to stick with the 2030 agenda, something like that has to happen with one of those submarines, because you have to have the Western elite, quote unquote, you know, the, the, the big countries that have this technology. You you have to disperse it across the world and have all the
0: other countries have access to that. So they're all equal. You have no idea how much I'm holding back right now because of TOS, but I've got something we need to disperse on some people that are causing this. Just saying. All right. Um you know what? I, I don't I don't even want to go down the, the COVID road because we're, we're getting low on time here. I don't even want to go down that road today because all that's going to do is just it's going to I'm already burned up. And this is not going to help matters getting into this conversation. But I'm going to step back on this one. I'm going to let you take the reins on this one. I'm just going to say this one thing. The Pope, we're, we're going to talk about abortion here. We usually don't get into it, but that is a hot topic right now. The Pope says that abortion is murder, but U.S. bishops should not be political. OK, all right. So the Pope, first of all, the Pope saying that, that's huge. The Pope saying that abortion is murder. that's big coming out of a, of Lenin's Pope there. That's big. So him coming out against abortion, that is something. Okay, that's the first thing. The second thing, the second part of what he said, but U.S. bishops should not be political. Is that because you need to reserve that for yourself? Is that is that what that's for? Because this is the most political Pope we have ever had. As nearest I can tell, this is the most political Pope we have ever had. Now I'm not a member of the Catholic Church. Uh, I wasn't raised Catholic. I have nothing against the Catholics. If I mean, everyone has the right to practice whatever religion they choose. And Bruce and I were having this conversation last night offline. I don't agree with the way that the Catholic Church does things, but I mean, I I, I legitimate difference. It, it is. It is. I mean, but I legitimately feel sorry, and this is this is the God's honest truth. I, I legitimately feel sorry for the Catholic congregation at the moment with this current state of the Catholic Church, because they've got nowhere to turn to. Uh, they're devout Catholics. They're devoted to their faith, and I respect that. But they've got nowhere to turn to with, with all of this this woke ideology and this, this political nonsense being woven into the church like this. I really feel sorry for the average Catholic out there. I, I do. The average Catholic member. I, I feel sorry for them. Uh, hell, you've got. I and I hate. I hate celebrities coming out and making speeches about politics. I can't stand it. But Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson made a speech. I put it up on our Telegram page. Mel Gibson came out and gave a a, a five minutes. Uh, well, reality check on what's going on in the Catholic Church, and he says the bishops are the problem. When he made his movie Passion of the Christ, he went to the church and he asked them for, you know, aid and blessing and all the rest of it. And they just they didn't want any part of it. Why would you do that? That was back then. I understand that the the stance that the Catholic Church has always had on abortion. I understand Mm -hmm. that. So in this regard, the Pope is keeping with that. But as far as everything else, U.S. bishops should not be political. I agree. I agree they shouldn't be political to an extent, to an extent, because let's be honest. Why do you think you weren't able to go to churches since the start of COVID? Why do you think you haven't been able to go to churches? Well, there's two. Go ahead, sorry. No, I'm just, I'm just going to, there's two reasons. One, your faith. They have to take away your faith in something that's higher than yourself. The faith in the righteous, they have to take that away. They have to take away your personal relationship to God. Second, they don't want people congregating in churches. The most successful independence revolution ever in the history of mankind was organized in churches and taverns. They know that. All right, I'll step back now. Bruce, go ahead. So, uh i I agree
1: obviously with the abortion stance um uh, I think that's pretty important i mean you're you're murdering your own species i mean you, you can't go out and murder someone else that's you know an adult or a, a, a someone we we consider uh alive or whatever i don't I don't know what standard there i i I don't understand what the standard difference is uh you you have one child that has done nothing wrong and has no um, so, uh, you're, you're, you're effectively punishing that child who has done nothing wrong with, um, death. But that aside, um, uh, I also believe that the constitution is, uh, pretty clear life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Life is the first one. You have a right to life, um, that's being violated. So both religiously and constitutionally uh, i i think um yeah i agree it's murder however uh the the part where where he says don't be political um i am i'm, I'm going to have to i'm going to have to disagree with him very vehemently and and the the reason i say that is um america for pff, 50 100 years uh maybe even longer it's had at least a 70% uh, of the population claims to to be christian okay um, if that 70% were political or, or just politically aware and stood on the beliefs that they claimed they had, um, one thing, just one thing is all I'm talking about here would not exist right now in America, and that's abortion. That should be the number one thing that Christians are against, and they're not. And it's still here in in, in America. We still have, what? what is it, 70, 80 million that have been aborted so far? Um, since Roe v. Wade. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. It is not your right to to abort a baby. It's not your right. Um, that's murder. Uh, if you didn't want that baby, maybe you should have thought about that before you went and did it with whoever you did it with. You know, that that's abstinence. It used to be a thing that well, that's kind of my actually, soapbox, though.
0: Actually, I mean, the whole idea of, you know, starting a family, that that whole thing is supposed to be based on the fact that you're personally responsible as well. So, yeah. You're brought up in a traditional family home and then you're basically you're coddled along and saying, OK, this is kind of what's expected of you. As as I said on didn't say it yesterday, but it was on the replay back in the 1950s, for example, back when we still had a strong family unit uh, and, and we still had the traditional family. If you didn't have three kids by the time you were 30 years old, if you, if you didn't have if you weren't married, had a mortgage and three kids, then there was something wrong with you. People would look at you and say, what's wrong with him? What why, why doesn't he still. have...
1: It's still that way to in a degree. Certain parts, and, yeah, in certain
0: parts. Yeah, in certain parts of the country, sure. But I mean, I I, I remember, OK, I was um, I was early 20s. OK, just an example of this. I was early 20s and I'm sorry, I was mid 20s and I was sitting down with uh, a group of gentlemen for breakfast uh, and these gentlemen were World War II veterans. OK, I, I was sitting down to have have breakfast with them. And one of them asked me, they said, how many kids do you have? Uh, I said, I said not. <laughs> And he, he looked at me and he said, and how old are you, son? And I said, uh, I said, I'm, I was like 20, 25, 26. And he said, oh, my goodness. And I said, what? And he says, when I was your age, I already had three and I was buying my first home with my wife. <laughs> and I said, I, I, I know I was like, but, you know, things have changed, you know, things have changed. I yeah. said, I, I don't have time. This is, you know, when I was uh, in the States and I said, and I was traveling all over and I said, honestly, sir, I said at the, at the moment, I said, I, I just don't have time. I don't have time. I said, I'm working and I'm traveling and I'm, I'm doing this and I'm tied up in all these different things. And, and I said, I, I just don't have time. You know, I'm doing everything I can now to try and establish myself. And, you know, I, I, before I would even consider something like that, I'd want to have myself established first. And I said, I'm in the process of doing that. I said, but it's, you know, I, and you're dealing with the mentality of of that generation that still thinks in a lot of respect that, that we're still in the time that they came home from the war from. You know, they still think that this is 1950, 1955. You know, like I said, God, I wish it was. But uh, unfortunately, it's not. And and I laugh at that. I I laugh at that a little bit because, okay, go on to YouTube. And and I, I hate YouTube, but go on to YouTube for anybody because I know people still use it. Go on to YouTube and look up a typical day in the 1950s. Just look that up. A typical day in the 1950s. And you'll get documentaries that were made back then about our communities, how things were how we built things, you know, it was like those educational documentaries or whatever, how society would work, how a neighborhood would function, how a community would function, a little town, whatever. And these politicians in the modern age have the audacity to come out and talk about economic growth and talk about job creation. These people got a lot of nerve.
1: There's there's uh, quite a bit I would take that the 1950s had. But, you know, obviously there were some bad points about the time period as well. That's true. And we've made
0: fantastic advances in in quality of life and everything else since then. No question. But I was more I was more thinking about the mental mindset of people as in everybody was optimistic. Everybody was happy. Everybody was uh, was driven to uh, to succeed and and do things that were bigger than themselves. And uh, and we still had a, uh, you know, connection to uh, the traditional family and uh, and and our relationship with uh, with God and the church and, and everything else, and we we had a, a boom, an absolute boom of small businesses all across the board. We had new infrastructure being built. We had homes being built for people at a low cost, uh, and people were actually able to to move into their own home and, and build a family. You can't do that anymore. Not the way we're headed. No, all not, of that's been removed. Not with way housing prices and everything are nowadays. No, they're pricing um, on the
1: market it, now. Yeah. It's something. It's almost a hundred thousand dollars just because of government interference, um, because of the the taxes and the. Hold on a second. Uh, Did you say a hundred thousand yeah. dollars? Almost it's it's ninety four thousand dollars. Yeah, so almost a hundred thousand dollars. Just because of government. Looking? That's that's where that's where. No, I'm I'm saying that's the baseline that they're 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 increasing prices because of that.
0: Oh, um, I'm not okay. saying those are the prices oh, that, that okay. the houses okay. are. I'm saying gonna that's say, what um, they're
1: increasing it.
0: I was going to say, you got a house for hundred thousand? Tell me where, <laughs> because here in a couple of months, oh, yeah, uh, that's going to be worth a whole hell of a lot more. Places, I mean, places housing that I looked around at, here is cheap. Yeah, it is. It, yeah, in certain parts over there. And you know something? Where I'm at, a house that was four hundred ninety thousand or five hundred thousand a couple of years ago, two three years ago, is now over a well over a million. Yeah. I keep it. Well, to be fair though. A house here would take uh, about
1: 8 to 10 years of your income. So 100% of your income for 8 to 10 years would buy the house. So though it is technically cheap by East and West Coast standards, by the standards of uh, wages in this
0: area, it's expensive. It is really expensive. The only way that you could somehow or another make that work would be if you owned your home on the East or West Coast and you sell it. So let's say you sell your house right now for one and a half, uh, two million, and then you move to the area you're talking about. You could have yourself a really nice home paid for and sock away some money for savings and take a few years and just relax at the moment. At the moment, you could do that. The problem that's happening right now in places like where I'm at is, and I know people that are in this position right now, they could sell their house right now for eight or nine times what they paid for it. They could sell it today and it would sell. But the problem is, is that, okay, yeah, I'm going to sell my house for uh, one and a half, two million euros. I'm going to sell it for that, which is like uh, $2.75 million or $3 million. You could sell it for that. But here's the problem. If you sell it for that, you can't buy a new place to live. That's the problem. So you could sell it for that amount of money, but everything else is is already through the roof as far as prices go. You couldn't... Uh, yeah. the, the whole point of selling one place and buying another is to upgrade your, your cost, or excuse me, upgrade your standard of living. You couldn't exactly do that. Yeah. You'd be finding something I mean, equal to, or possibly at this point, even less than what you've already got. So you're kind of stuck. You're stuck if you own and want to sell, and you're stuck if you want to buy and you haven't bought already.
1: You're stuck. Well it it puts you into a standard of, um, well, I just, I'll, I'll sell, I'll sell, you know, at the peak of the bubble. And then when the bubble collapses, I'll buy a home. So I'll rent until then. But you're right into the trap they want you in. Yeah, that's where they want you. You're renting. They, they, they want you to rent.
0: The people that have bought at the moment, uh, I think are at the moment, I think are in a decent position because if we do get into, and I, I don't know what's going to happen at this point because we're at a different point in history now, but What has happened historically when it comes to inflation in markets? Typically and historically, the notes on things, meaning the outstanding debt that you owe on whatever asset that is, the notes don't change. So, for example, if you have a mortgage on your home and you owe, say, $300,000 okay, we go into a period of hyperinflation. Well, you could buy a loaf of bread for a day, or you could pay off your house. Which one do you want to do? I don't know about you, but uh, if I owe 300,000 on my house and it was a choice of that or a loaf of bread, guess what? I'm starving for a day. I'll pay off my house. I'll take the assets because the assets are wealth. The money is debt. I mean, to be fair, uh, in
1: this part of the country, I, I, I have some people that I know that have large swaths of land Investment. If it was either sell to it, wh- whether it's to uh, you know um, pay off my mortgage or debt or whatever, um, and and starve, I wouldn't be starving because I would just go to one of them and be like, hey, uh, do you mind if I get one of the deer off your property, or you know, and there is that something yeah Go fishing
0: i miss the days where you could you know just be in that part of the country and you just sling open your back door your sliding glass back door and you just kill your dinner you know i I miss those days yeah you know that's a uh, a gun he's eating my potatoes you know (laughs) game up. you know what he was he was It was a he was menacing my crops you know i mean they they are they are uh they are they are a pest they are a pest so you know i i was just thinking about that today I miss the uh, the good old backcountry towns in America. I do. I, I really miss that part of it because it's so laid back as far as like lifestyle goes. I mean, there's not really yeah. a care that, that that goes on in little towns like that. And I'm talking, Bruce, you know the towns I'm talking about. I'm talking about the mm. town, the yeah. the Midwest American town that has the the post office that is also the town bank. And on Tuesdays they do the all that you can eat catfish buffet for six ninety five. Mm-hmm. That one, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that's the kind of place I like yeah. right there. Yeah, it's been
1: a while since um. It's It's been a while since the town I lived in did that,
0: but that's because everyone kind of, my generation kind of moved out. Yeah, and that's the problem. went to, went elsewhere. That's that's the problem. You know, when I was a kid in my hometown, I mean, I grew up in a small uh, small town in Midwest. And when I was a kid, there was a lot of opportunity. I mean, everybody worked in uh, you know the the chemical plants and yeah uh, the uh, uh, the steel plants, steel mills. Um, people worked in like the battery factories, plastics, uh, all that stuff. Everybody worked in those plants. That was the thing to do. The problem is is what we started this conversation with earlier tonight was the manufacturing has been sold out to China. All of that stuff is left. All of it's gone. There used to be a shell chemical, Dutch Royal Shell in my hometown. It's gone. Energizer batteries used to be there. Gone. Coal fire plants. Gone. Natural gas energy uh, uh, powerhouses. Gone. All of it's gone. Steel plant. There used to be steel mills. Gone. Polymer plants. Gone. Gone. It's all gone. So there was no opportunity. You could make a lot of money in those places. I know people that would work in some of those places. They don't work there anymore. Somebody that was a very good good friend of mine worked as a chemical engineer in one of the steel plants. He made a lot of money. He went to the university down the road, got himself a nice piece of paper for $150,000, $200,000, whatever it was he said that he paid. Came out of that university owing all that money, got himself a job at the steel plant being a chemical engineer making really good money for a couple of years. Then they shut the plant down. He got fired. Nothing else for him to do. I didn't see any opportunity there for myself. And so myself and and a lot of others, as you were talking about, you know, my generation, we all left. The problem is, is that you have an element that actually stayed behind. <laughs> Basically, when you graduate, it's just like any small town in the Midwest. Basically, when you graduate high school at 18 years old, a timer starts. If you don't get out by the age of 25, you're not getting out. I know people that didn't yep. make it out by the time they were 25 years old. They didn't make it. They're still stuck there. Yep. Yep. That's, like uh, that that's I got out
1: basically. Yeah,
0: I got out. I, uh, I, I got into, uh, I, I went to the you know major, I went to Columbus, Ohio and, uh, I started, uh, started a different path up there. Uh, and that led me to another path and another path and another path. And now I'm on the other side of the world. So, um, Yeah. You know, I, I don't uh, I don't claim to be anybody uh, special or, or cultured or anything like that. You know, I'm just a just your average concerned citizen from the Midwest. That's all I'm that's all I am. Uh, and, you know, I um, I come from very humble roots and I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And, and I respect that. Uh, and I will never forget that no matter where I go, no matter what I do. Uh, and it's because of those humble roots that give me a reason to sit here and do this uh, with Bruce every day. So uh, we are going to have to go. Uh, we did run over there, but uh, that's all right. So for those of you not signed up to our Telegram page, get over there and get signed up to us. We do put out all of our podcasts. We do here every day. We also put out an exclusive podcast over there just for our Telegram subscribers. You get a couple of days early. It'll come out on the following Monday for those that are not subscribed to us. So get signed up to us over there. You get that extra content. Also, you get access to our news feed and we have comment section as well. We'd love to hear from you. Drop a comment in there. Also, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can do so anytime by dropping us an email at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. And we would ask you to pass this along to friends, family, and associates. We are trying to grow, but we do need your help in order to do that. So if you could pass this along, we'd appreciate that. We're available everywhere you get your podcast. Also, if you're rating podcasts, if you give us a rating when you get a chance, we would appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. All right, that'll be it for today. So thanks for being here today, Bruce. Thank you to all the listeners. Everyone have a great evening.